Right, I think we can start. Welcome everyone to the Tuesday Bible Study. It's exciting to have you here. It's seven o'clock. Let's start with a word of prayer before we get into this. Okay. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. A day to delve into your word, a day to study your word. We pray and we ask for your leadership and your guidance. Holy Spirit, teach us, lead us, guide us. Help us as we study your word. Open our eyes, open our ears, and give us understanding in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yo, guys, I'm looking for my the remote control to the to the lamp, but I can't find it. But I, it's fine. You're good thing. You can continue that. So today we're starting our study on the life of John the Baptist, which is something that I've been so excited about for the past couple of weeks. I've been so excited about it. I couldn't wait to begin and to begin the study of the life of John the Baptist. This is a very fascinating man in general, and he's very interesting to study. Yes. So when I was doing part of this research, I found something very interesting. I was just, you know, looking up things and other things that other Bible scholars wrote about John the Baptist. And I found this very incredible headline, and it read, John the Baptist, the greatest man to live. That was very fascinating for me, because... People ideally are like, ah, you know, Jesus is the greatest man to live, which is very true. But of the other men apart from Jesus, of everyone else to live apart from Jesus, Jesus confirmed that John the Baptist was the greatest man to live. So he's a very fascinating man to study. And I think this is going to be a beautiful session. And the whole study, I think, is going to be very interesting. So why would someone say John the Baptist is the greatest man to live apart from Jesus? This comes from the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Where Jesus is the one who's talking and he reads, he says the following things. He says, truly, I tell you, among all those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The first part is very fascinating. He said, everyone, as long as the people are born of women, as long as the people are born of women, of all of them, everyone was born by a woman, was given birth to by a woman. John the Baptist is the greatest of all of them. And I found that very interesting. I found that very interesting. Uh, I don't know what's going on with my Instagram. It's cutting. It's cut. It'll come back. Yes. So Jesus said, of all the people that are born of women, the greatest of them all was John the Baptist. So that alone should literally get you excited. What kind of a person was this for Jesus to give him such a glowing recommendation and for Jesus to speak so highly of him? What kind of a man was he? And that's what we're trying to figure out. So I did, like, like I said before, like I wanted us to start from the life of John the Baptist as an adult. But I realized that even the events surrounding his birth were very fascinating. And we have to sort of immerse ourselves in that environment. So we understand the type of person we're dealing with. So we understand... We have a very broad perspective of the type of person John the Baptist was in the environment he was born into. So we get a bigger picture. Because sometimes when we start from just the beginning, like he's already grown, we, we miss a lot of things. Like what was the environment like when he was born? What was the climate of, you know, the surrounding society and the community? What was the, what was the climate? And so that we get more like a clear understanding of who this person was, right? So, first we're going to start from the environment surrounding his birth. And we're taking this from the 
book of Luke chapter 1, which is very interesting. John was born to barren parents. His mother was barren. And they were, he, both his mother and his father were from a priestly household, but his mother was barren. So we're going to read Luke chapter 1 verse 5 to sort of get a bit of a context on the timing and the events surrounding John the Baptist's birth. So Luke chapter 1 verse 5 reads, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Okay, so in, from the jump we're given sort of like a time frame. It says in the days of Herod. These events happened during the reign of a man called Herod the Great who was known for mostly for his infrastructure and all of that. But he was also a very cruel man. That was, that was part of his reputation. So we're already seeing the environment here. It's a very interesting environment. Let's go to verse 6 and 7, right? Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and living blamelessly but they were childless because elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old so we're going to take a pause on verse six where we're seeing this couple this very elderly couple and the wife is barren and they're both people that the bible is actually telling us that they were very righteous there are people that lived a blameless life but we find them in this predicament where this woman is barren but the, her husband is a priest and we're seeing all this, the backdrop to all this, right? And the first thing I want us to take, especially from verse 6, is the importance of character. I want us to take the importance of character. Where do we get this? Verse 6 reads, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I love how the verse doesn't say they were sinless. It says they were blameless, which means predominantly for a greater... For lack of a better word, there were people that did not walk in hypocrisy. There were people that just followed the commands of God and there were people that just carried themselves a certain way. And there were people that were not pretentious. They were just good people in general, right? And there were people that followed the commandments of God. Let me read the note that I wrote here. They did not walk in hypocrisy. And the fact that he didn't put Elizabeth away because of her barrenness shows us a lot about his character. Because at that time, barrenness was grounds for divorce. So we also see, just by this verse, we see also a glimpse into the character of John the Baptist's father, the priest Zechariah. Because he stayed with this woman until they were old, and she could not give birth, right? And at that time, that was grounds for divorce, but he did not divorce, so he kept, he stayed with his wife. And we see also a glimpse of his, a glimpse of his character. And it's very important for us to take note of that, right? Again, we see that... One thing that I want us to take, especially from verse 6, is I don't think that it's a coincidence that God wanted to move and wanted someone to use. And at this point in time, he looked in this whole particular area and he chose to use a couple that the Bible describes as righteous in the sight of God. And they were observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. He chose to use a person of character, right? He chose to use a couple that was a couple of character. And this is something that I always emphasize, guys. Character is important. Don't ever negate the importance of character. Character is important. Even in this age, it's not a coincidence that when God was looking for someone to birth this person, this, the greatest person alive, as we've read in the previous verse, when God was looking for someone to birth John the Baptist, he went and he found a couple that was righteous, a couple that was living right. 
Okay, because someone may look at this and then be like, ah, at the end of the day, God can use anyone. That's very true. God can use anyone. But in this particular situation, he went out of all the people. He found the perfect place for this person, for John the Baptist to be born. He found it and I was like, you know what? This righteous couple is the place where I want John the Baptist to be born, right? And just like it's very similar, it takes me back to the book of Daniel. Daniel was a man of character, right? Why is it that God in that particular time chose to use him instead of everyone else? You see, let's never negate the issue that character is important. Because oftentimes people want to live anyhow under the guise that God can use anyone. God can use anyone. But you should always bear in mind that your life has to reflect your calling and your life has to reflect what God has called you to do. And your life has to reflect your message. You have to remember that. Your life has to reflect the message you carry. So your character is important. Don't let the world lie to you that character is not important. Character is still important even in this day and age. God values character. God is still a holy God. God still hates sin. God is still holy. And character is important. How you carry yourself is important. How you carry yourself as a believer is important. How you carry yourself as a young person is important. How you carry yourself as a young man, as a young woman. It's still important. Because at the end of the day, our character, it reflects. I can give an example of, let's give an example for a pastor, right? If you get to a pub and you see a pastor in there and you see him preaching the following day on Sunday, are you able to take that person serious? You can't. Why? Because the life is not matching up to, to the things that he may be preaching. So it's important. Yes, God can use everyone, right? But why is it that in this case, he chose people who were blameless and righteous? Because the vessel, you as the vessel, it impacts the reception of the message. How you carry yourself, it impacts the, the, whatever message that God is trying to give you, to give to your generation, to give to your family. Whatever it is, the purpose that God has for you. You as the vessel, you impact the way that message is received. Whether you like it or not, how you carry yourself will impact the way that message is received. There are things that we should literally read ourselves of. There are things that we should disconnect from entirely as a believer for the sake of the message that God is trying to get you to carry. For the sake of where God is taking you, there are certain things that you cannot indulge in. Even though you may even feel like you can and you feel like, you know what, at the end of the day, God will forgive me. But there are certain things that, and I love something that Dr. Mark Moran said. He said, sometimes you have to be bound by the cage of your own conviction. Could your own convictions and your own character, it has to be more or less like a cage to you. I hate to use the word cage, but it has to be more or less like a cage to you because it keeps you from doing certain things because you understand that God is sort of calling you to a certain level, into a certain depth, into a certain realm. And the vessel, how the vessel carries herself or himself, it matters and it will always affect or impact the message. You see, so it's very important. Character is still very important because it's very possible for you to limit what God is trying to do through you. Because I know everything is everything is possible with God. Everything is possible. But you have to understand that, like I always say, there's a part you have to play. And it's possible for you as an individual to limit God. It's very possible. We see that in one of the Gospels where it says Jesus, Jesus was basically God. But he says, he could not do certain miracles in certain places. Why? Because of their unbelief. So it's possible for you as an individual to limit God. God can want to do so many great things with you. God can want to do 
amazing things with you. But because of a certain character or a certain habit or a certain way you carry yourself, he sees that it will limit the message. It will limit because you're not willing to put certain things aside because you're not willing to pursue excellence in character. Fine, you may not be at the perfect position now. None of us are. But are you at least willing to build towards that? You see, because some people, they're not at, the, at that place now, but then they're not willing to build towards that as well. So that leaves you in a very tricky position. So character is very important. That's what I want us to get from verse six. It's important to be a person of character. It's important. Even in this day and age, it's very important to be a person of character, right? Whatever God has called you to do, it's more effective or your message is more effective when your life mirrors or matches the message that you are teaching. It's like seeing a pastor in a pub. I gave you that example. Would you take his sermon seriously when you see him in a church the following day? It's very hard because you're like, how are you preaching this? But then your life does not reflect what you're preaching. And it doesn't always apply. It doesn't only apply to the pastor. It applies to us as individuals as well. Our character must match the messages that we're preaching. Our character must match whatever it is that God has called us to do. You always have to bear in mind that. It doesn't always apply to people that are preaching. Even you as an individual, as a believer, you're a person who tells people, I'm a Christian. Does your character and the way you carry yourself match the things you say? Food for thought, right? So this is a call for us to live with intentionality. Yes. And I love the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. It reads, therefore, read yourselves of all malice, right? All hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. This is actually Apostle Peter. He's admonishing us. He's telling us, at the end of the day, rid yourself of anything. If there's anything that is within your reach that you are capable of getting rid of in order. Oh, there's a verse. Oh, there's a verse. There's a verse I love. Okay. Pastor Eni is quoting Psalm 70, 78 verse 41, which reads, they limited the Holy One of Israel. It's very important. It's very possible to limit God by the way you carry yourself, by the way your character is exhibited, right? It's very possible to limit God. I listened that Dr. Mosman said. He said, the kingdom of God is in us and it is exhibited in how we carry ourselves. That's something we always have to bear in mind. So many times I feel like as Christians, we we are very big on the on the theatrics, you know, on the theatrics. You want everyone to see this, you want everyone to see that. We're, we're big on the theatrics. But I love how Dr. Mosman put it. He said, the kingdom of God is inside you. And ultimately, the way the people... The, the people in the world and the people around you, the way the people see that the kingdom of God is inside you is by how you carry yourself. It's by how you carry yourself. In, when there's no one looking, when there's no one you know, when you're in a place where no one knows you, when you're, when you're in a place where no one can check you, when no one can confront you, that is how you exhibit the kingdom of God. And I love how in the Bible, Jesus gave sort of like two examples. He was like, you are the yeast of the world. And he said, you are the salt of the world. If you look at these two things, of course, salt, it adds flavor, right? And yeast, it sort of brings things to life. It makes bread bread, right? But there's a very interesting property of these two things, of yeast and of salt. When you put salt in food, you can just see maybe for the first few moments, after that, after that it dissolves. But when you taste food, you can tell that this food is salt, right? Let's go to yeast. When you put yeast in dough, you can tell the dough rises. If that, that's how you tell that there's yeast. But can you physically see the yeast? No, you can't. Likewise, as believers, our actions as the yeast and as the sort of the word, they have to be seen by, they have to be, how we sort of exhibit being the salt and the yeast of the world 
it's exhibited by our actions. Just like you, you can taste that this food has salt. How can you taste it? Because the salt was put there and you can taste it. Likewise, the way we carry ourselves in our character should be tasted. It should be seen that you're in a place, not because you walk around with a cross, not because you're doing too much, because of the effect that you have on the on your immediate environment, on the people around you. The same way we see the effect of putting salt in food, the same way we see the effect of putting yeast in dough. Likewise, the greatest sort of like exhibit of our character and the greatest exhibit of how we carry ourselves should be in our actions and not in predominantly in our words, right? Yes. So character is still important. That's what I want us to get from verse six. That's what I aim to be a person of character. Anything that you can get rid of, that you feel like it's standing in the way of you being a person of character, get rid of it. Anything that you need God to help you to get rid of, that you can tell this is a bit hard for me to get rid of as an individual. Fine, ask God to help you. God is always willing to help, right? Yes. So now let's go to verse 7. Verse 7 is very interesting because it reads, But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. The barrenness of Elizabeth and Zachariah in this particular chapter is very interesting because there's a bit of humor to it because it mirrors what was going on in the society at that particular point in time. Israel was barren as well at that particular point in time because firstly, there hadn't been a priest for 400 years since the prophet Malachi. So they were basically, there was basically no prophet to actually tell them what God was saying. And two, it was barren even in terms of like their relationship with God because that was the time where the Pharisees were just putting so many rules and regulations and so many extra things that made maybe prayer or that made the relationship with God a bit stiffer or a bit hard to pursue, right? Israel was also barren in the sense that they were under Herod the Great, who we've already discussed that he was a very cruel man and he was known that he was very cruel. And that's the person they were under the rulership of. They were under the rulership. They were under Roman bondage, you see. So we're seeing this backdrop of the environment in which John the Baptist was born. It was already crazy as it is. The society is in a mess because it's been 400 years. There's no prophet. Nothing is happening. The Pharisees are placing extreme religious laws and rules that are limiting and that are sort of like affecting and hurting people, right? And they're also, to add soul to injury, they're also under like Roman bondage. So we're seeing that this is a crazy environment. And to add also onto that, the parents of John the Baptist are barren. They're priests. They're people that serve God, but they are barren. And that's the backdrop. This is the environment in which John the Baptist was born. What I love is in a series of somewhat impossible situations, God always had a plan. Everything just seemed impossible, right? From the parents being barren, from baby, no prophet for 400 years, they were under strict Roman bondage. But even in the middle of all that chaos, what I love is God had a plan. God had a plan for Israel. God had a plan for the barrenness. God had a plan for everything. He had already set out everything in motion. And this doesn't just happen in the world. In the Bible, it happens in our individual lives. So many times you're in a place or in a position where you feel like every single thing is crumbling. Like nothing is making sense from your academics to your work. Like you are literally trying to make sense of what's going on, but you can't. But even in the middle of that chaos, like we're seeing here, this was chaos. But in the middle of all that chaos, 
God had an answer and God had something he had planned. He had a man in mind. What I also find interesting about verse 7 is how Zacharias and Elizabeth, the, the Bible has already told us that they were righteous and they were obedient, yet they still had barrenness. That is such an interesting contrast because imagine these people, they serve God, they are righteous. And I'm sure the fact that the Bible writes that they are righteous, at least they were. And I can imagine even the snickers of the people around them, even in their environment, right? The people that had so much to save. These people, all the service and all these things they do for God, yet still no child. They're both from priestly households, the people that are esteemed, the people that are blameless before God, but they still have no child. Okay, there's a comment. Pastor Annie said, the environment is barren, their lives was barren, but still God remains unchangeable change. Yes. So imagine being, put yourself in Zacharias' shoes. I feel like so many times we're very quick to judge people in the Bible, in Bible times or in Jesus' times, because you, 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 we barely stop to empathize and you put yourself in that position. We barely stop, we just read them as stories, oh, they were barren, and then you go to the next page. Sometimes you really have to stop and pause and imagine yourself in that position. This person is a priest. His wife comes from the household of Aaron. <laughs> Aaron as in Aaron as in Moses. You see? And this is the environment, right? And this person is a priest. His wife is from a priestly household, right? And they are righteous and they live upright. In a way that society even knows that these people are righteous, right? And they did everything right. But still, they were barren. But still, they had a part of their lives that doesn't make sense. And I love how God uses examples like this for us. So we can always go back. I love Anzi. What's that phrase that talks about Anzi? These stories were written are for, for your benefit. So we can read these stories and we can be, our faith can be built. That you can see that even in the situation where it was barren, it, it was impossible. God still had a plan. And likewise, like in the issue of Elizabeth and Zachariah, there, there are many of us in a similar situation where so many things, maybe you feel like you do so many things, right? You tithe, you over, you go to church, you do so many things, right? But there's still a part of your life that doesn't make sense. And I love that this is the example that this is the family that John the Baptist was born into. A person who Jesus later said was the greatest man to live of all the people born of women. I love that this, this is the environment he was born into. So we can understand that it's very possible. Verse 7 is showing us that it's very possible to live a life where you feel you are, you are doing everything right. Or you feel like, I, I am trying my best to live a godly life, right? And there can still be that part of your life that doesn't make sense. There can still be that part of your life that you still need answers to. There can still be that part of your life that's barren. There can still be that part of your life where you can't make sense of it. It's very possible. We're, we're literally seeing it here. It's very possible. And it's not something that is out of the ordinary. And it takes me back to Psalm 34 verse 19, which reads, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. This is a very important verse. Because oftentimes people think the Christian walk is supposed to be smooth and everything is supposed to go well. But the Bible is actually saying, no, actually, many are the afflictions. As they know, they are very few. Said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. It's a part of the walk. I can imagine the question their relatives may have had. All these people, they, they serve, they do so many things. Isn't she from the household of Aaron? Isn't she like a descendant of Aaron? Isn't he from the household of Abijah? Aren't they like literally priests? They're people that are esteemed, but they don't have kids. Why can't God do it for them? 
You know, just like in our day or in your life as an individual, people can ask you similar questions. You fast so much, you pray so much, but then why is that part of your life still not sorted? Why is that part of your life still, what does it still have a question mark, right? All this prayer you're doing, all this fasting you're doing, all these seeking God you're doing, you go to church, you're always positive verses, but where are the results in that particular part of your life? And again, it takes us back to Psalms 34 verse 9, which is many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them all. So the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, it's literally showing us a backdrop. It's showing us that is very possible, right? To be a person who is doing so many things right, but then have a part of your life that doesn't make sense. And we're getting to the reason why that thing happens, right? Let's go to the next verse. And it's important for us to always realize that so many times when a person is doing so much, like you're praying, you're fasting, you feel like you're doing everything right, but there's that part of your life that doesn't make any sense. That's where a lot of people draw back. God, I'm doing all these things for you, but why is this not working? Why is this particular thing not working? And that's where a lot of people draw back and they lose it. And they, they essentially, eventually they don't get to see the fruition of what God is trying to do in their lives. Why? Because they draw back. And I love the verse in Hebrews 10, 39. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. You have to join those people. They're saying we are not of them that draw back. People that draw back are the people that say when life gets tough and when things don't make sense and you feel like you've done everything you can and it's not making sense and you draw back, right? And I love the previous verse. It says, now the just shall live by, by faith, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. God is essentially saying you refuse to draw back. Even in that situation where you feel like I've done everything right and this part of my life is still not making sense, refuse to draw back. The Bible is a compilation of story after story of that sort of like shows us how God worked in the most impossible situations. Your situation cannot be more impossible than the situations you're reading in the Bible. The people we're reading about in the Bible, they went through the most, like the couple we're reading about now. This is crazy. It's very interesting as well, right? But in each and every story, I love how in each and every one of these stories, God eventually showed himself strong. And I love the book of 1 Peter 5 verse 10, which reads, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore you, he will comfort you, he will strengthen you, and he will establish you. There's a comment, Pastor and he says, Yes, doing all right, but there is a situation where we say he has loved, he was loved, he was loved God, but he was, we all have our buts. Okay, beautiful. You say that there's a situation where a person can love God and do everything right, but there's always a but but this part of their life, right? So this takes me back to the story in John 9. So one of my favorite stories. The story in John 9 where we find the disciples asking Jesus, there's a man that shows up, right? And this man was blind from birth, right? And the, the disciples ask Jesus a very interesting question. They're like, this man, for him to be born blind, who sinned? Was it him? Was it his parents? And Jesus gave a very interesting response, right? Let's just read it. It's the book of John chapter 9, verse 3. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed through him. This happened so that the works of God may be displayed through him. And I think that's more or less the story for most of us. 
I think that's more or less what God is trying to do in most of us. That part of your life that doesn't make sense, even though you feel like you're doing so much to push and to keep pushing and to keep going to see what God has for you. Just like Jesus is saying, Jesus is already giving us an, an answer. They're saying, no, actually, in this particular case with this man, he didn't sin and his parents didn't sin. But this was done so that the works of God may be displayed through him. Could it be perhaps that maybe that area of your life that is not making sense, that area of your life that you have so many questions about, it's an area where God is trying to display his works through you. But if you draw back, like that verse was saying, that we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. If you draw back and if you withdraw, you will not be able to see the works displayed because essentially you've already drawn back and the Bible's already read us, that's already told us that if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Right? So that's what I want us to take from the teaching today. Next week, we're continuing. Just like Zacharias and Elizabeth, right? There were people in an impossible situation. There were people in a very impossible situation. They were barren, they were priests. So many, a part of their lives was contradicting who they were and who God called them to be. It was very contradictory because imagine the people around them, what they were saying, these people are priests and they serve God. How are they barren? But we still find them in that situation. But they persist. Zacharias continues in his role as a priest. He goes to the temple. He does what needs to be done. He, we, we don't read about him complaining. We just hear that he was barren. Even Elizabeth, we see, we will see later when we study her as well that she was a very fascinating woman. Is that even re- despite that situation that they went through, despite the barrenness, despite everything else, God was still able to come through for them. And even them, they refused to draw back. How do we know that? You know that because they were still there doing and serving and doing whatever it is that God has called them to do in as people that were of the priestly role or of the priestly designation. Right. So if you if you're going to get anything from today's teaching or from today's sharing from Luke chapter one, verse 